Welcome back, Cody's fans. I'm back. We got the boys here. We got Matt. We got Haynes. We got Grandy, who is um, hanging out. He'll be here hopefully later on in the podcast. We'll find out. If not, you'll see him next week. I've uh, we got a couple of good topics coming up. Uh, I'm really glad to be here. Uh, but before we do all that, boys, how are we doing? Doing good. Doing good. Just hanging out out back. It's a nice yeah. night to do that. Yeah. It, uh, it's a nice night here to be doing that too. Um, but it's it's almost midnight here, so I'm not, not hanging right. out back doing that. But uh, good. Second second podcast of the day. Had to do one about about two and a half hours ago. It's the second one of the day, so I'm just I'm chugging along, man. I'm just I'm, I'm here, uh, and I made it. That's that's the biggest thing. I made it here. Yeah, glad to have you back. Uh, that's your South Carolina sports one, right? Might have that right. Yes, yes. Okay, we Excellent. just did a we did a podcast with a current athlete tonight and all that, which was real fun. So second second one of the night. I'm going strong. If I sound like I'm yawning in between, I do apologize because I am yawning just because I am a little tired because I do work. Uh, every day for the most part so i was working earlier too so i i don't ever really stop doing something i'm always i'm always doing something all right well glad to have you back here with us so uh, let's go ahead and get into it so it looks like uh it was either earlier today i believe it was if i have my timeline or maybe uh yesterday it looks like the city of phoenix's the part that runs sky harbor airport is once again uh trying to encroach on the arena by suing tempe uh according to arizonasports.com uh, it would appear that it is a former complaint uh, in the Maricopa County Superior Court in Phoenix uh, asking the court to rescind Tempe's recent zoning and land use changes and prohibit future residential uses in that area that the Federal Aviation Administration, FAA, says is incompatible with residential development. Uh, they went And the Coyotes themselves are not mentioned in this lawsuit. It looks like this kind of thing they brought up, I believe, with the first vote. I think they had something like that kind of appear. They had the little speech before Keller and all the other Coyotes went up. Um, but real quick, starting with you, Matt, is this just fluff? Is this just Phoenix trying to strong arm? What, what do you think this whole thing is? Well, I'd, I'd find it hard to believe that the city of Phoenix or Sky Harbor has a leg to stand on here. Um, they're they've got residential built up in downtown Phoenix near stadiums that are in direct line of current runways and flight plans. So this whole thing feels like uh, Sky Harbor going back to, you know, at some point we might want to extend the airport. If we do that and there's residential in line, now we're running into a problem. Um, all of this boils down to... Um, they're a 1.2 square mile area that would be exposed to high levels of noise. It has nothing to do with the stadium itself, uh, any of the shopping centers, bars, but it is solely focused on residential. The problem herein is that <clears throat> when, when all of this came to light initially and basically Bluebird and the city of Tempe um, went to the table with Sky Harbor and the city of Phoenix. All of this was supposed to be resolved. Um, and I believe at November meetings, Sky Harbor actually said that they're withdrawing any complaints to residential or anything in the plans, basically, that was going to hold up the Tempe Entertainment District. Now we're 
a month and a half away from a vote, and all of a sudden we're getting them back to, well, we don't want residential built. Um, I, I think a lot of it is, I, I think a lot of this comes from powerful people in Phoenix. I think the big issue here is that Phoenix has, this, the small city of Phoenix has a couple of different stadiums. Um, they rely on revenue from concerts and things outside of sports that a new arena in Tempe would ultimately suck away some some revenue there. Um, so I, I think this has a lot more to do with the city of Phoenix pushing for Sky Harbor um, to basically file these suits. You know, I think it's... It's funny because the Phoenix Rising just moved to that little area that they said, we don't want whatever. So the Rising can go there because Phoenix gets the money. I think, as you were saying, you know, Phoenix just is, doesn't want the competition. It's like that landfill has been there for how many years now? How long has this, the Tippy Town Lake thing, been kind of started to be built up? You know what I mean? And it's like just now it's starting to become an issue because you have a legitimate buyer and all that. It's like it, it's a crocodile crap to be honest to try and keep it you know pg it's a bunch of shit really i'll go ahead and say it whatever sorry sponsors and mom but you know i just don't understand what the point is and i I hope that tempe residents which i'm sure are a big uh part of our audience you guys see through that your phoenix wants to bully your city into doing what it wants when tempe can handle itself it's been around for a while It's, it's it can do its own thing you know so I, I don't know. It's really just annoying, to be honest. I, I don't see the point of it. And I know Tempe First is all over it, too. Which they have something... I think they are... Aren't they getting sued, right? For defamation? Something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, they received a cease and desist. But the big thing is, there's been a couple of people that have made mention on Twitter recently, as early or, uh, as early as maybe 2 o'clock this afternoon, that... um. The super PAC that was Tempe first, uh, their license was terminated on March 7th. Um, mm. I, I unfortunately haven't read up on this. Um, I don't have any more info than that. But yeah, it, it kind of it, it kind of throws a wrench in the whole workings of the opposing group in Tempe right now that. Which I and I don't understand this at all, but they appear to be happy that their city's being sued. Which makes uh-huh. no sense. Makes zero sense, but okay. I think let's see, was the article say anything? Yeah, right here. This is the one that I thought was interesting. Uh and to continue, this is obviously a quotation. The complaint filed by the Phoenix Aviation Department represents new heights of hypocrisy, the statement said. While it is okay for Phoenix to build a baseball stadium, a basketball arena, and a soccer stadium, referring to what I said earlier, the uh, Phoenix Rising, a uh, somehow it is wrong that when Tempe events to convert an old polluting landfill into a new sports entertainment district, there is no shortage of residential development in and around downtown Phoenix sports venues, nor is there a shortage of residential units around the airport in Phoenix. So yeah, I think what this seems like is just hypocrisy, like we're saying. I mean... Uh, I don't think it'll go very far, but uh, you never know. I mean, if you pay a lawyer enough, I'm sure it'll go far enough in court. So we'll see. We will see. I right, see. I'm looking up that super pack thing. I can find anything real quick on the internet. See if there's anything else to add, but it doesn't look like I see anything. So Haynes, while he's pulling that, what are your your thoughts on what's going on here? You know, I think this is all 
real it's real strange to me the whole situation you know this is this is the biggest initial issue here between both sides was everything with sky harbor and and you know in the tempe entertainment district was you know uh residential and all that with the noise complaints of you know planes flying over too close to residential buildings and um you know and it seemed like it was something that was you know for the longest time seemed like the biggest thing stay in their way and the coyotes and them seem to have worked something out you know they shown the blueprints really walked through with them step by step of what everything was going to entail and you know and they seemed to back away and they seemed happy with what it was and it just seems real shady and kind of suspicious that this is now an issue again um and, and you know I, I agree with you guys i think this goes back to phoenix i think phoenix sees this as a threat with the possibility of you know another city in arizona you know pulling in and raking in you know extra revenue from from tempe and i think tempe um, you know, and I think the biggest thing to worry about is not only do you get this from the arena of the possibility of, you know, you have hockey games, you're going to have concerts there, but, you know, they're building a whole entertainment district. I mean, you're going to have hotels here. You're going to have restaurants. Phoenix, I think, is intimidated by this. They see this as more than just an arena making revenue. They see this as a whole area making revenue. And, and Phoenix doesn't like that. And, you know, it's an understandable thing from Phoenix's side. You know, they're, they're a big city. They make a lot of revenue every year and all that. And they may not want to you know, now have competition. So I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, it just seems real kind of, you know, vague on why all of a sudden this is now something being re-brought up after it seemed like they had hashed over everything. So I think we're going to find out more with time as it goes on of why this is coming forward. Um, it, it, it's, um, as Coyote fans, I mean, you know, we're done hearing about this. You need, it seems like every time something good seems to be going right for this team, uh, a monkey wrench is thrown in there and, you know, and, and it messes everything up. So, uh, you know, we really kind of, we'll just have to see how this, you know, unfolds over the next few weeks, maybe over the next month, how everything unfolds here. But um, it, it's just, it's a, it's a pain. I mean, it really is. It's a pain in the rear end to have to continuously deal with this kind of stuff. You would think that cities would be all for, you know, growing the game, building, you know, an, an entertainment district is going to make you a lot of money. You're going to get a hot team there in, in the side of the valley where your fan base resides in, you know, you already are getting great, uh, you know, you're, you're getting that exposure from being in mullet. People are, you know, taking notice of it. You see them selling out every game and um, it, it's just weird. It seems like this team can't catch a break. Um but uh, it's really we won't know more on, for the next few weeks, I feel like. I feel like more is going to come out of the next few weeks of why this is all re-coming back up as it is now. But I think, um, yeah, it, it's just real vague to me. I really don't understand the reason why this is now coming back up again. Um, hopefully everything can really get hashed out and, you know, we can hear more sides of things going forward. But it's, it's just it's a pain. I mean, it is – as a writer, as a fan, as a resident, it, it's it's just annoying seeing every time the guys seem to be making some sort of progress, something gets thrown in there along the way that seems to want to derail it. You know, if I could add real fast, I think, and this is purely speculation on my part, I have no way of telling for sure. I have no magic crystal ball here. I'm just speculating from what it looks like on my angle here where I'm sitting. Honestly, I think the fact that this got re-brought back up after, as Haynes said, you know, they kind of rehashed it kind of, I think that goes to show how much I think chance of it passing slash like momentum it really does have. I think that goes to show that they're actually like, oh shit, like they act- this may actually pass, which I, I think we all can say. It seems like it, it it's pretty strong to want to jinx it, obviously, knock on wood, cross your toes, whatever. But that's what that tells me. 
to be honest. Again, that could just be me rattling off something crazy, but that's what it seems like to me, is there has the momentum, and Phoenix is scared. Yeah, yeah depending on where you put faith in polls, um, early on, uh, it was like a, a two-thirds vote yes was what polls were showing. Um, there's a lot of momentum and a lot of faith that this is going to get passed. But for the groups that are against this um, and that are happy that Phoenix is suing Tempe over this, um, one of their big arguments is that, well, why not use that land for affordable housing? Well, what they don't understand is if this suit goes through and the city of Tempe loses this, affordable housing can't be built there anyway. Because at that point, that land would be deemed ineligible for sale to any developer, not just the Coyotes, who has an intent to use it for residential buildings. So even if, even if we're, you know, everybody's happy that, or I, I shouldn't say everybody, even if um, the opposition is happy that this is going on, if it actually does hurt the Coyotes here, it hurts all of Tempe, and I think people need to understand it's it's not just, well, we got out of an arena. Well, now you don't have anything there. You can't put housing there, and you're waiting for some other billionaire to come in and offer to buy the land to put up something similar. And then it also hurts Arizona, because I believe Tempe wins on their their website and Twitter accounts like that. Say, like, Arizona's supposed to get, as a state, especially Maricopa County, Supposed to get bringing a lot of revenue. All the fans coming in from all over states. I'm sure NCAA tournaments for both basketball. I think I believe if I remember right, ASU basketball use it as well as obviously you know, Sun Devils. I'm sure they'd use some kind of NCAA Frozen Four thing. So I mean, you're only hurting the yeah. state, really, Phoenix. I mean, you're really only hurting your, especially your county. So and then, this whole project should bring in roughly seven thousand jobs. So in addition to the lost revenue, there's lost employment opportunities with this as well. Which we need. We have plenty of housing going up in this area. I mean, you can't throw a rock and not have it on some kind of brand new apartment going up. I mean, we could use 7,000 jobs here. So, again, Phoenix, I mean, is it that worth it to you to see that landfill just sit there for another, how long has it been? Really, I don't even know. 20 years-ish? That could be wrong, but again, that's what it, you know, been there for as long as I can remember. So... Yeah, there's some irony in stop a billionaire from developing so that another billionaire can make money on you know concert revenue yeah exactly i mean it's not our fault that the footprint center which the renovations do look great was just at a sun's game last month with autumn but still i mean it's not their tempe's fault that you don't have another venue that'd be enticing enough for people to come so i mean oh well with cookie crumbles uh any last thoughts on that before we move on to something more positive no i don't think so Okay, I think we... I think we're, oh, uh, one one more note, and this is yeah. something that we don't have, or I should say I don't have any more clarity on, but again today, Lauren Kuby, who is a former vice mayor, former council member, um, she's been very vocal against this whole project as well, and her name has popped up a couple of times, uh, being registered as part of Geofantasy Sports. Um, it doesn't look like there's much to that at this point, uh, but anything that's an online fantasy sports business generally is indirect competition with 
something like Sahara Bits, which is Bluebird. Um, and, well, I'm sorry, not Bluebird, but it's Alex Morello. Um, and this whole sports book license that the Coyotes are, are looking to, or their owner is looking to, um, you know, build in the vicinity of the arena. Um, uh, why wouldn't you be in direct competition there? So it makes you wonder how much of this from somebody like Lauren Kuby, who's supposed to be a very vocal person for the city of Tempe and for things good for the city of Tempe, how much is her own personal gain here influencing her decision to go against the propositions on the table? You know, we, we try and keep a neutral stance, but I, I, I'd venture to guess there might be a significant amount. But again, that's just pure speculation on me, just a fan's thoughts. I'll let you guys, you know. And again, I, I don't have I don't have any more info. I don't know what kind of revenue they generate right now. I don't know that it's even something up and going for them yet. Uh, but they did register with the Corporation Commission, I believe, about two and a half years ago now. So it is... It isn't just a, it might happen. Uh, this is something that her and seven other people are all in on. Well, I guess we'll see how it unfolds. And again, you know, stick with us here. We'll update you as soon as we get any more news on that. So on to a positive note, we have one of the prospects drafted. Uh, a local legend, I guess you could say. Josh Stone has been playing with the Tucson Roadrunners for a few games now. Just wanted to get... Um, Haynes, I think you might have had something written by him. Forgive me if I'm wrong on that one. Uh, if you want to go ahead and start us off, how do you think Doan is doing in Tempe? Do you think it was a smart choice for him to leave ASU this early? Yeah, so no, I actually wrote something about Matisse Michelli, but um, Josh That's Stone right. is I definitely... Um, you know, a lot of people have looked at his situation with Arizona State and, you know, they've seen it two different ways. Some people say that maybe he took too early of a, a, a leap leaving Arizona State as he did. And, you know, and, and some people say that it was kind of strange that he did. A lot of people originally thought that when he had taught his parents, he was at least going to play three seasons uh, and with the Sun Devils and left after two after talking with them. And, he you know, he felt like it was the best move for him um, as, you know, as a professional, as an adult going forward. Um, I think, you know, I think it's good for him. I mean, you're not going to sign him and immediately bring him to the NHL. There's no reason to with, you know, about eight games left in the season, you know, eight to 10 left. You're not, you're not going to play him um, and all that, you know, you're going to let him go down the AHL, get some exposure, play down there and, you know, work on his game. Now, next year, we don't know how that goes. He may start again in Tucson next year. He may be a dark horse candidate running for the Coyotes roster next year, but you know, I think he's, you know, he he's kind of done what he did at Arizona State. You know, he's not the flashiest guy on the ice, but what he does really well is he's a really good leader who can command the puck real well. You know, he he reads the play real well. He knows where to be. He knows how to read an offense. He knows how to read defense. And, you know, that's something that from what I've watched him from short little time I've watched him with Tucson so far is he he's translated that skill real well over from Arizona State to now in Tucson. And I think this is – you know, not that big of a jump for him. I mean, you know, he he didn't really travel that far down the road from Arizona State to come over now to the Roadrunners. So, um, you know, I'm I'm excited to see him getting a shot here. You know, I think the best comment I've seen about this so far was it, it's a blessing to see a Doan again in the Coyotes organization, and it is. I mean, you know, after being, you know, as blessed as we were to have Shane Doan for 19-plus years in Arizona, it's great to see another 
Doan in the pipeline and not that far away from Donnie Kachina jersey with the name Doan on the back of it. So um, I think he's he's done pretty much, you know, you're not expecting him to come into the HL and to light the league on fire. That's not what the organization's expecting him to do. I think, you know, it, it's giving him the time to condition and get used to playing at, at the next level of hockey. So, you know, he's not been lying it up crazy down the HL right now. You know, he's had a goal and he's had an assist and, you know, all that. He's had a couple assists. He's he's doing exactly what he did at Arizona State. Is is he's commanding the puck well when he is on the ice, and he reads the play real well, and that's something the Coyotes do take notice of. Um, the organization does watch that. The scouts watch that. Coaching watches that. Management watches that. So, um, for him, it's really this is just the time for him to you know get comfortable in that next stage of hockey. I mean, he he does have you know hopefully a playoff push here coming for Tucson. They can get in. He can get some playoff experience. Um, but you know he, he's young. I mean, he's a young kid. He's you know. He, he's he's going to take some time to get ready for the NHL and all that. So I think where he's at now is perfect for him. I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, if hopefully they can make a playoff push, I'd love to see him get some playoff experience. That's great, especially at his young age. But I, I don't see what the move he made as a bad move. Um, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, he saw it as this is the opportunity to, you know, we, we ended off the season how we did. You know, I want to take that next leap forward. And, you know, I want to play playing in the NHL in the next two to three years. So I, I don't. I don't no knock on him for the move he made here, you know, business decision for him. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we're definitely going to see some conditioning. You're going to have to see the growing pains for a little bit in the HL for him to get caught up with everything. So I don't, I don't think he's NHL ready by next year, but I, I definitely think him going up now is a great start for him to speed up his process of being ready for the NHL in the next few seasons. So what concerns me about the move, um, Josh Doan's been a late bloomer in just about every level of hockey he's played. Mm-hmm. Um, his his development didn't take the leap at ASU from year one to two, I think, that a lot of people would have liked to have seen. Um, uh, for instance, his first season with Chicago Steel, I think he finished with like nine points in 40-plus games. I don't remember the exact number. His second season, I think he put up 70 points in yeah. just as many games. He took a, a massive leap there. He also had a growth spurt going into that second season. Every, everything about him seemed to come on just a little bit later than everybody else. Um, what I'm a little worried about with the jump to the pro level at 21 years old for him, uh, having just turned 21 in February, by the way, um, I didn't see the jump at ASU that I would have liked to. I almost think he would have been better off one more year in college. Um, there's there's nothing wrong with playing a junior season um, and seeing what what you might be able to do there. There are potential factors if you don't believe that the college team that you're playing for is going to play deep into a playoff uh, or is going to make the tournament. You lose valuable experience there. Tucson obviously making a playoff push. You'd like to see him there in that opportunity. Um, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, only time will tell. Um, but yeah, I I don't see him being ready for any kind of NHL role next season beyond maybe a one to two game call up, you know, late in the season when, you know, about this time of the year when the season's basically over. And you're looking to see what you might have in a player. Um, but otherwise, I, I still think Doan's probably two years out from 
from being a roster candidate. I think he's where Jan Unique was last year. I don't think it's a bad thing. I, th- I think, especially with our timeline, I mean, we got time. That, that's the thing. I think this squad, as the time needs the time, that's fine. Uh, if he felt he was ready to come up, sign up and play with the Tucson Roadrunners or maybe a couple of Coyote spurts, then I think that's it's on him, you know, because it's also partially a mental game too, to a certain degree. So, yeah, I'm happy to see him. I'm very excited. Like Hayne said, very excited to uh, get another Doan Kachina jersey. So, that's all yeah, I got no, on that, boys. I'm not questioning what management wants to do. They they obviously know better than I do. I For just sure. look at it from a <clears throat> at how how do players generally progress. So I I have all the faith in the world that Armstrong knows exactly what he's doing. Oh, yeah. um, they've obviously proven with their coaching staff, with their scouting department, that they know what they're looking for in players. And if they see something, they seem to know how to develop it. So I'm I'm counting on being wrong here, but I I would have liked to have seen him at ASU one more year. Yeah, me too. Only got to see him one game. So well, I got to see that one game. I guess I'll I'll take that. So it looks like uh, a little bit more of uh, a bit of a can we call it somber news? Is that does that sound right? Uh, the NHL has found its uh, replacement for Adidas. Uh, Adidas is walking away after the what is it the twenty. 324 season. 2024, season. 2025. Next year's last year. Next year's last year. There we go. It's something. There's a bunch of numbers in there. Um, but regardless, uh, I know this is a bit old, but we haven't really gotten a chance to take give our great take on it yet. But um, honestly, uh, it's. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have seen the TikToks and the Instagram posts, the Twitter posts, <laughs> everything else. I'm sure everyone's familiar with uh, the overall consensus, but. Um, actually, uh, let me start with this one, if you, if you boys don't mind. Let, let me take this one uh, up the middle here. Um, I, I did look into this one. This one I actually did kind of like peek around and actually kind of del- delve deep into as a person. I love hockey, or not hockey gear, just sports gear. I collect soccer kits. They're called Kits Hanes. Uh, I do buy some uh, hockey jerseys. <laughs> I know what they're called. <laughs> but um, I had to poke fun while you are asleep. Um what I said, a big fan of that. So I did look in. Apparently, this is something I just recently found out. The Nike made MLB jerseys are apparently made by Fanatics. And supposedly, the Fanatics are taking over the Adidas plant in Montreal that makes the Adidas jerseys. So, yeah. I mean, is, is that a cautiously optimistic thing, boys? Or are we thinking that's just something that, you know, is whatever? There's got to be a level of quality control. Um, yep. When Fanatics has produced jerseys in the past, the biggest issue has always been that 90% of the time the jersey was going to be great, but the the number of jerseys put out that had mistakes in spelling, had the wrong number, the number wasn't centered, the color was off on the number plates, things like that, they can't happen when you're talking about a major professional sport. So the NHL really, really has to, they, they've got to have something in place with fanatics here. Um, there have to be guarantees and assurances that they're going to get the same quality that they've gotten with Adidas and CCM. Um, and anybody that's done jerseys in the NHL in the past 50 years, because the NHL relies on this revenue. And if Fanatics is putting out a, a poor product, 
the NHL is not going to get 150 to 180 dollars a jersey um, and more for the official jerseys or the authentic jerseys if the Fanatics product is what everybody's kind of come to know over the last five years. Yeah, you know, it, 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 this is such an interesting topic because, first off, people have to look at from certain things. A lot of people are, are questioning why uh, Nike never came through with a deal here, and, and people were thinking they were outbidded. That, and that's not the case. The reason Nike did not go through with putting a deal and uh, bid in to take over as a sponsor for the NHL came down to a revenue thing. At the end of the day, Nike didn't see enough of a revenue they were going to make off the NHL. Granted, as much as we love the NHL, the NHL in terms of North American sports is one of your lower markets in terms of viewership, you know, sales and merchandise and all that. And that's just because hockey is not as big as football, baseball, basketball. And Nike saw that. And that's why they did not put a bid forward here is because they didn't see enough of a revenue to make out of this market. Um, you know, I, I personally, as a fan and a guy who likes gear, I would have loved to have seen maybe someone more along the lines of like CCM, maybe someone who makes hockey gear, um, taken over here. And that's what we've seen for the longest time. I mean, CCM once made NHL jerseys, Coho made NHL jerseys, Reebok made NHL jerseys. All those companies made NHL gear. They made skates, they made sticks, they made helmets, they made gloves. Adidas didn't do that. Adidas was strictly your jersey supplier. Uh, I think part of the reason they fell in the end was it because they felt like they were just not in touch with the hockey world. I felt like they, they made jerseys, but they didn't really do anything else in the hockey world. They weren't making gear. They weren't making, you know, anything else. They weren't making the shirts for the most part. That was all your fanatic stuff. So I think that's ultimately the reason why you see Adidas fall out of here is what they did. The problem with fanatics coming in is I don't see fanatics besides what they do now. I don't see them taking any other bigger role in, in hockey and, you know, and that's a bummer because I think the NHL's biggest thing that they're missing out on by not in Jersey sponsors, in my opinion, is not connecting to a specific brand like a Bauer or a CCM in terms of connecting to a brand that's synonymous with hockey, that people know with hockey, with gear that players wear. Um, like you said, Matt, Fanatics had a lot of issues with their with their gear, with the, especially with their jerseys. A lot of issues um, people have had with getting wrong stuff from them, wrong color palettes. Logos not placed on there correctly, numbers wrong, name plot, uh, fonts wrong, name plates wrong. Um, that's something that has to be fixed before you take over at the end of at the end of next season. You have to fix that, and you know that's why they're going to where they're going in, in Quebec is so they can take over in that factory and with the hopes of you know replicating that jersey material quality of what you see. Granted, they have already announced that by twenty twenty six season. They may start experimenting with new fabrics, with new quality of jersey, lighter stuff, different crests, maybe different way they make jerseys. Uh, only time will tell what that's going to come out to and what that's going to look like. But Fanatics has to do everything they can right now to replicate the same on-ice feel of what you're getting in jerseys now because what you put out now as a replica is not getting the job done and making fans happy. So um, it, it's a tough area. I personally was not um very keen on fanatics i'm still not very fan of fanatics taking over the deal i know at the end of the day it came down to a money um thing that's how all businesses run is who can throw out the most money um i don't know who all else placed bids in to make jerseys for take over the jersey fire for the nhl but i mean like you guys both said uh, accountability is the biggest thing here 
Fanatics has to take some accountability. They have to they have to take accountability and they have to fix these issues before you take over. You cannot take over a company like the National Hockey League and produce jerseys in which you're having issues now making replicas in which people are coming out and with complaints about your stuff. So that stuff has to be cleaned up first and foremost before you come forward. But, you know, we don't know what it's going to look like. Honestly, next year's last year of Adidas. You know, we'll see what Fanatics looks like when it comes forward. But if if what we're getting now in replicas is a sign to tell what the future is going to look like, it does not like a good deal for the NHL. I mean, this is this is a, a downgrade, in my opinion, in terms of the NHL trying to market themselves is by going for a company that does not make sports jerseys now. That's mainly a clothing provider. So, um, you know, I hope I'm proven wrong. Um, I do think the NHL took a wrong route here. I definitely would have liked to see maybe more of a brand like CCM, which is a common jersey supplier now for Canadian junior hockey teams and for AHL hockey teams. Um, but, you know, going to Quebec and, and, and making jerseys in that same factory, I think it's going to help them in the beginning. They just they have to figure out the issues now, and they have to resolve that before you take over. You cannot have issues you're having now on professional, authentic, game-worn jerseys that are going to be issued out by teams. I think another thing to add too is like CCM is a subsidiary of Reebok, a subsidiary of Adidas. So I was really not, I didn't think CCM would have it. I didn't expect Fanatics. That was definitely something I didn't expect coming. I didn't even know they could do something like that, to be honest. I do own one Fanatics jersey. My mom got it for me for Christmas, the uh, Kessel um, Reverse Retro, the purple one. It's it's okay. I mean, uh, it, the sizing is a bit weird. I usually get the same size and everything else, and everything else fits perfectly, but that large isn't the same large, it's bigger. For whatever tough reason that you have, really, feel. really tough. Yeah, feel. oh, I am. Oh, I am. And I mean, I love that my mom got it for me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on that. It's just, man, the colors are off. It, it doesn't. It looks. It looks like someone made it cheaper. Like they've. Oh, it's a cool idea. Let's you know, put this when on. Knock you know. off website jerseys is what it looks yeah, like. It does. It looks like something that you know. Yeah, exactly. And I think it also just looks bad. I think fanatics making NHL jerseys, and this could just be a bougie way of thinking about it. I don't know, but the MLS major league soccer has Adidas making their stuff. They felt that they can make more money off the MLS than the NHL. That just looks, that's a terrible look for the NHL. Yeah, absolutely terrible. I think, I mean, I don't want to say that our sport is dying by any means, but it definitely doesn't look good. I mean, I feel like, with the ESPN deal going on, I feel like we took a step forward, but this Fanatics deal was three steps back, 100%. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they will deliver something great. But like you said, I mean, they're, they're wanting to experiment with lighter material. How do you get light in the jerseys we have now? These things are going to fall apart on the ice if they get any lighter than they are now. So, no. I mean, I, I mean, I'll have my hopes out, but I, I not not a lot of hope. So, well, you, Matt, any, any remainder thoughts on this one? You know, to be fair to Fanatics here, every time there's been a jersey manufacturer change, there's been massive pushback from, at the fan level. It's not just a Fanatic thing. Um, I, I remember when um, Adidas took over and everybody was making jokes about how, you know, Adidas should stick to, you know, basic running wear and that they're they have no business making hockey jerseys and what they produced was great. So yeah. mm-hmm. I'm going to wait and see what, what comes out. But you know, as long as they, they handle their quality control side of things and what you order is what you get, then, you know, we'll have to wait and see what they're actually producing at that point. The only downside here 
no more reverse retros. Yeah, yeah. I did like that a lot. Well, for now. So they, they have said that reverse retro is going away for now. They said that maybe in the next six to eight years, they may look at doing something like this again in the future. But for now, the sole reason why they are kicking this to the curb is because coming as a New Jersey provider, they can only get so much production done in that first year. They have to cut back what they're making. And that is understandable. They they are going to have to take a year or two off before they can start mass producing other jerseys out. Hence why they're only making uh, Stadium Series and Winter Classics going forward in the first two seasons is so they can slowly get involved into making jersey process and get it going and all that. I don't know if they will specifically do a reverse retro in the near future, but I don't think it is fully gone. I think you may see another iteration of a retro style jersey, but it is not fully dead. But it, for now, while they are slowly getting involved into the field of making and being the supplier for the NHL, yes, the reverse retro has been effectively kicked to the curb. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens with the Desert Knights jersey as well. Um, yeah, that's what I because that's too. not that's not one of the Coyotes' primary jerseys. So, I think alt stay. I may be wrong there. I think I think I think from what I've heard from some people is that the team's home and away will still be made honestly, and an alternate will still be in the regular rotation. Because as far as I know of, the Coyotes have already made plans to have that jersey in the rotation for you know going forward for the next few seasons. So I think it's still part of the rotation. But I think teams are going to be limited to how many jerseys they can be made uh, can be made for them, and you know, in the first two or three seasons. At that point, I, I would guess the Howling Head disappears altogether from their logo. Oh yeah, I oh, do yeah. know. I do know the NHL rule is that in order to use a logo, it must be worn eight times a season: four games at home and four games on the road. So hmm. that that would kind of signal the end of the Howling Head. Uh, that would be my guess anyway, because I, I can't see the Coyotes rolling five different jerseys when Adidas, or I'm sorry, when Fanatics says that, you know, they they don't have the production power to do reverse retros. No. And I think, and I when, think the Howling oh, Head is actually, my bad, I think the Howling Head is actually officially, when they introduced the um, alternate season, the Desert Knight jersey, I think that's effectively them was kicking the Howling Head out permanently it has not been worn this season last year it was worn for a short time because it was the designated alternate but because they brought the alt this season i think they've effectively have canned the howling head of coyote jersey so i don't think it's even effectively in the team's rotation as a jersey anymore i think we should ditch it i mean like i said i don't have any problem with the logo itself i, I really i'm kind of neutral it's okay like there's some times where i'm like oh yeah it looks good on certain hats or whatever but I think it's time just to ditch it all together anyway, so I'm really not that sad about it. I'm sure one day they'll bring it back as some reverse retro or something, which would be pretty cool, but I I'm mean, ready to the walk desert, away from it. The Desert Knight jersey kind of does both areas, though. I mean, you get the Kachina style from now, but the the brick Sedona color comes from those early Howling Coyote heads with the sand. So you kind of, in the new Desert Knight jersey now, kind of get a mix of both of those two eras of jerseys, which is why I think they've effectively have kicked the Howling Coyote heads because they kind of have it somewhat tied in to the new Desert Knight jersey just from the looks of it and the simplicity of it like you saw from those earlier ones. I think that the way they did the Desert Knight was effectively combining the Howling Coyote head without actually having to use the Howling Coyote head. You know, speaking of 
those jerseys, Desert Knights. Now that we've had them on the ice for a couple of months now, what do you guys think? Has your opinion of them changed them. at all? Yeah, I, I do too. Them. I'm buying one. I'm buying one. I'm getting my tax returns federal in the next few days. I'm buying because shout out to Lawson Krause's dad, Mike, if you're listening. Mike Mike taught me into it. I, I, I am buying a Lawson uh, Desert Knight jersey as soon as I get my federal taxes back in. So I'm waiting for those to show up. The moment those show up, I am dropping the $250 for the, for the authentic one. Honestly, I hated them when they came out. They looked terrible. They look so much better on the ice than they do, they do in pictures or in promos or anything like that. I still can't say that I'm going to go out and buy one. I might. I might. I'm not not taking that off the table. But they have grown on me. Um, similar to like the purple reverse retro. Still can't buy an orange one. Uh, they're still hideous to me. But... <laughs> They, they look they look that. so bad in games. They look so yeah, bad. Yeah, they do. They look good games. on fans, though. I liked them in person, like seeing them in the store. I have one, but I, I liked them before they, I bought one. They look so bad on the, on the ice. ice. Yeah, they do look I, bad on the ice. I, I could never get one of those. So I'm, I've am i come around on the Desert Knights one. Um, uh, every picture I seem to see is of Clayton Keller scoring a goal wearing one. So as long as... <laughs> I guess Hell as yeah. long as that jersey's he bringing him luck, that. I'm all for it. Yeah. That's like, it's funny, you know, people will say like, oh, when you see this logo or see this jersey, what player do you think of? Honestly, when I see a Desert Knight, I think of Keller. Like, he's my immediate, like, yeah, I think of him. I associate him with that jersey. So actually, I'm buying one too. A Keller one. Yeah, I would get if... Keller, but I have the reverse retro, so I, I, I got I to share have a Keller my yet, so. elsewhere. Yeah, you I know, the other, the other one that I seem to see there in that jersey is Valamaki. And I, yeah, I can't tell you why, but Valamaki seems to stand out in that jersey. Maybe it's the long hair and, you know, that, yeah. that Swedish profile or whatever. But for whatever reason, he stands out in that jersey as well. You know who stands out to me in that jersey? You guys, I don't know if you guys recognize this. And, I, and the people listening, I don't know if y'all recognize this. And the reason he stands out is for a funny reason is Travis Boyd. I don't know if y'all have ever noticed Travis Boyd in that uniform, but his helmet is spray painted. Is it really? It, 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 look at his helmet is a matte spray paint color, and the way okay, you can totally tell it's spray painted is the Bauer logo is half pink, and the inside foam on the inside of his helmet is solid, like reddish pinkish color. It was his helmet is for sure just spray painted. So from what I understand about that, from what I understand about that is um, everybody's allowed to choose their own manufacturer for a helmet, uh-huh. and at least one manufacturer. Uh, couldn't duplicate or replicate the color in season when the Coyotes debuted their Desert Knights jersey. Apparently that will change next year. It'll be an option. But if you look, there's actually a couple of Coyotes players whose helmets don't match the jerseys. Yeah, I see it. I googled it. Yeah, I see it. And it has to do with the manufacturer not being able to replicate the color or make those changes in season. That's crazy. Look at that. You learn something new every every, yeah. every midnight when you're on the podcast. You learn something new. Got to come back to the Chirpin' Yotes for learning <laughs> things like that. That's really cool. I didn't know that either. And I see it. I Googled the image. I see it. Yeah, it is a slightly yeah, different totally color. Yeah. You can see the pink in the wires called. How his <laughs> yeah. flaps are all pink. Yeah, it is. Yep. Uh, Mike, actually, Mike Gold uh, actually points out every every time they wear that uniform, he, he points it out that the helmet is spray-painted. That's awesome. Yeah, I see it now. Huh. I'll never unsee that. That is really cool. I learned something too. That's <laughs> really funny. You now for sure. You, you will notice it every game from now on. 
I'm a, I got a buddy at the office, big hockey fan. I'm going to point that out to him, too. He's an Islanders fan, but I'm going to point that out. That is hilarious. That is really funny. Huh. Well, hey, you learn something new every day. Let's really not cool. point that out to fans of other teams because we don't need any other reason oh, yeah. for them to be no, like, he's you a, guys can't he's afford a fan too. No, he's a Coyotes fan, too. He's like, it's his, he's from the Long Island, so he's a you know Islander fan first, Coyote fan second. So it, it's good. Good people. But man, that is really funny. Reminds me of my uh, lacrosse days. We had a really, really bush league there. So I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Well, anyway, <laughs> that's awesome. That's oh, you know what, Travis Boy. That that's man. Thank you, Haynes, for that. That is really awesome. That really blew my mind. You're, you're welcome. I didn't know if y'all ever noticed. I just thought. It was <laughs> no, funny. I didn't. I, I point that out. I didn't. But this and image, that's all I, I can see now. When they zoom in on them, all I can picture is just someone in the equipment room just spray painting the helmet. Just that, that so dark funny. Sedona in like right. a matte form on the helmet, real fast, and you know spray paint over a little bit over the Bauer logo, and and, and the whole inside flaps being pink, and I just laughed and was <laughs> like, I wonder if he ever takes that helmet off, and like he's just got like red residue like right on his head. Oh, sure, he's yeah. Wearing that helmet. Is <laughs> the the what's it, the uniform manager has to go to Lowe's every every home game <laughs> just to make sure he's in that paint. <laughs> Go color match it real quick. That's close to a couple extra even coats before the game just to get it up to par. I'll show you guys the. I can pull it up for you guys in here. He should have thrown a gloss coat on it. Most of those NHL helmets are a glossy coat. He should have thrown like a glossy coat over the top of it. It's like very, very matte. Like you can totally notice it. It's very, very matte. There you go. If you guys want to see it, sharing my screen, you can see it right there. You got Richie to the right with the matched one and then. Travis Boyd's <laughs> not matching at all. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Wow, like you really see it. Like <laughs> I'm telling you, I never noticed out. that. Oops, it stands out. Man. I never noticed that. That is freaking hilarious. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Well, um, before we get on to listener questions, do we have any? Um, my goodness. NHL topics we want to yeah, talk that's about. It. Thank you. Yeah, I'm trying to get this thing <laughs> to show my other thing. It's like all over the place. Like, wait, do you want to show this screen? Like, no, Discord. I want you to show this screen. Thank you. I, I can't really. I mean, I know there's some a lot of stuff going around the league, but I, I don't know if there's anything that's worth like like directly talking about. I mean, you know, obviously the biggest issue, and I'm, I don't know if y'all have talked about it, biggest issue also going right now with the NHL is teams now opting out of wearing Pride Night jerseys during warm-ups. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we've seen it with the Stahl brothers, James Reimer, uh, Blackhawks opted out of doing it. Um, Rangers. Rangers, yeah. Uh, you know, that's also a really big issue going on in the NHL right now is, is teams not doing it. And a lot of players now opting out of wearing them and just all together not participating in the warm-ups, um, which is a really big issue. Definitely should be something that should be talked about. But other than that, I don't know if there's anything else I'll come at that I can think of that's standing out to me in the league other than all that going on right now. So Grandy and I touched on that um, uh, on our last episode. And uh, basically we just, we had a couple of different ideas as to what could be done or what the NHL should do about it. Um, but more importantly, Bettman uh, basically made a statement, said that it's going to be something that the league looks into over the summer. Um, they obviously don't like the pushback and the backlash that they've gotten from what's unfolded. So the NHL obviously views it as an issue that some players are refusing to wear, some teams aren't wearing at all, and the negative impact it's had. So we'll look for something over the summer, 
that you know the NHL puts out that whether either they do away with all of these different jerseys or you know they make it mandatory um you know whatever whatever they decide i'm 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 a strong believer that the NHL generally gets it right yeah I, mean, I think it'll be an interesting topic over the summer. I'm sure they'll figure it out, though. I, I have faith in that, at least. So, like you said, Matt. So, uh, last thing before we go ahead. we get moving on, we haven't really talked much about our second potential first round draft pick here. Uh, not going to get into players and things like that. Um, just a little update, I guess, on the tank standings. Uh, as of right now, um, the Ottawa pick would be 12th. Um, Tied with Buffalo, Buffalo's got a game in hand on them, luckily for us. Uh, tied with Washington as well, but they do have a game in hand on Washington. St. Louis and Vancouver, uh, even games played with them, both three points back there. Still a very tight race um, out east, depending you know, for where Ottawa could fall. They are currently five points back from Pittsburgh. Florida did pick up a win tonight. They're four points back from Florida as well. Their playoff odds are are dwindling very very quickly but you know let's let's keep an eye there because you know there's six points back of of ultimately being the what would that be the 16th pick and as little as four points from you know being the the eighth pick so it's still very very tight tough schedule coming up for ottawa uh lots of fun at least still watching Playoff races. Uh, as Coyotes fans, we haven't had a lot of chances to do that, so it's it's definitely been an enjoyable one to keep an eye on that. Um, additionally, Philadelphia beat Montreal yesterday. The Flyers have pulled three points ahead of the Coyotes. They own the regulation win tiebreaker. Um, they've got 26 regulation wins. The Coyotes have 20. It's effectively a four-point lead for the Flyers with two games in hand. Um, it it definitely does make a top six pick a lot more realistic than a top seven pick that we were all looking at uh, earlier this season. Well, not earlier this season, but maybe earlier this month when the Coyotes went on a run. It's fun to watch those uh, Mold Arena games, though. My goodness. Yeah, yeah, they still have quite a few of those, Amen. and all they do is just keep winning. Or I shouldn't say keep winning; they continue to make it to overtime. Which is they good. continue to somehow get points, whether it's a regulation win every now and then or it's an overtime loss. They continue to somehow get points at Mullet. Mullet magic, as Craig calls it. It really is. Certainly is something. I hope it transfers over in the next couple of years. But, okay. With uh, that NHL roundup out of the way, are we ready for the listener questions, boys? And uh... Yeah, let's do it. Okay, perfect. Give me one second. Pull them up, and we will... I just had him pulled up. First one. Oh, we do. There I am. Look at me. All right. For Major Nelson, we have Falamaki will not shoot from the blue line on the power play one unit. It's literally my only beef with the kid, but it's a huge factor in opponent's ability to shut down the east-west passing lanes. Keller and Schmaltz are trying to exploit. Should Baird, Coach Baird, as in Anya Tournier, our head coach, try Moser or Soda on the top unit? Matt. Sir, what do you think? Um, so I'm going to say no. I actually like the way things are on that top line. Um, power play quarterbacks aren't always necessarily the guy out out high. 
one thing that has really, really improved in Keller's game this season over any other season is his ability to be patient along the half wall and even out high. Um, yes, he's right. It Not having a guy who's a threat to shoot from out high can shorten up and shrink a team's box or a diamond, depending on what system they use. But what makes their power play so effective is the the fact that Schmaltz and Keller almost always seem to be in motion. Um, they feed off each other very well, and they find ways to open up that lane without a shooting threat. I think if you bring in somebody like Soderstrom or Mosier that has no objection to taking that shot, you actually take away some of the set plays that the Coyotes like to run. Um, that half wall to the download guy, down low guy, back into the middle to the bumper, uh, or whether it's Barrett Hayton out front, um, you kind of take away a lot of those plays that the Coyotes have actually been pretty successful on. Um, additionally, if you look at Valamaki, his his power play point totals, um, they're actually decent. Uh, consider if you look at look at it as a percentage of his overall points. Um, I for me, it's a no. I I think you leave things the way they are. Um, in the future, maybe you you tweak it a little bit when you've got Logan Cooley and Dylan Gunther in there, and you're looking for more of a put everything to the middle, keep everything in tight, and you're getting away from that east west. But right now, those two connect east west without having a shooting threat. So I wouldn't change it. I I'd keep my shooters on that second unit and let them try and push everything to the front of the net there. It's yeah. I, I feel like Matt, you're like, sometimes like Grandy, I feel like you always say exactly what I have in mind and I love it because I mean, you do, I mean, you said everything I was going to say there. I, I don't think taking them off um, is the smartest move. I like the way we have our play, our power play one set up there. Um, you know, I think, like you said, the power play quarterback kind of situation there, you, you know, you don't always need, you know, guys be shooting from the point. I mean, you need that, that guy who's leading it and not always shooting is the only way to lead, you know, a power play unit, you know, power play guys, uh, especially power play quarterback guys don't always have to be the guy who's shooting the puck. It's how, what other things can they do besides just shooting from the point is what makes them successful guys that can lead power play units. So, uh, as much as I like Soda's game, and I think he's improved a lot this year, and you know he's really growing into hopefully what the guys want him to be. I don't see anything, any reason to change it. I mean, we re- realistically have to look at the team. We're not making playoffs, you know. At this point, the Coyotes are just, you know, playing to spoil other teams' seasons and all that. So I don't think there's any drastic need to change anything. I think, like you said, next season when you get guys like Gunther and Cooley on the roster. Maybe then you look at changing things up. But from where we're standing right now, I'm not too terribly concerned with winning games. So, you know, I, I don't see really any reason to, you know, majorly shake things up on the on the line and all that. But, you know, Tyler, I, I'd love to hear what you have to think about this. I mean, honestly, I hate to say it. I hate to just say I echo that. But I echo that, boys. I mean, really, I, I got nothing else to add. You both really brought the point home. So, yeah, again, for it, me. I mean, Again, for me, a, a big part of this is that I don't think Valamaki's actually quarterbacking the power play. Um, that That's Clayton Keller all day long. Yeah, yeah. 
you watch him cycle across the top of the zone. His head's always up. He's looking shot, pass, waiting for somebody to cut across the slot. Um, his body language is is unlike anybody else on the team right now when it comes to being deceptive. And I think that makes a far better quarterback than your guy out high taking shots. Um, and he does that from the half wall. So I don't necessarily think you're looking to bring a guy in who's just going to be firing the puck from out high, you know, between the circles and, and you're looking to to bang and crash out front when you've got a guy who can set up one of four other guys from the half wall. I, I don't think you want to take that away. Yeah, sounds good, boys. We have uh, one more question uh, from Dale Monning. Uh, tank season 2.0 commander uh maselli for calder right he says and i think uh yeah definitely a finalist there but boys we care to anything else without getting too deep into it um we are going to touch on we are going to touch next week on his quest for the calder and on keller for the masterson um the short answer he should be a finalist he should be in everybody's top three um I, I think with the injuries that we've seen to Logan Thompson, uh, Stuart Skinner kind of falling off at the end of the year, I think it's very easy where before maybe it was, yeah, you could get him into your top five. I think he's pushed his way into the top three without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, as someone who just literally wrote an article about this about a week and a half ago about, pushing you know making his case to be a a, a finalist for the calder i mean he does i mean and i'm not going to get too depth in it because like you guys said we're going to talk about this next episode but he does more than just scoring which i know is a big thing people look at when you're looking at you know what makes a good player a guy who can score it, you know that's not the only area but that's the biggest area people look at he does so much more than that he you know he's a great face-off um guy he you know he when he does have to play in the center that he's great face off man especially as of recently you know he's been on a little on a streak recently right here scoring a lot recently all of a sudden but it's what he can do with and without the puck besides just scoring is what makes him such a versatile player and i definitely think that you know i think you are you are unwise to leave him off your ballot i think he should be on your ballot do i think he should win it i will save that for next episode but i think he should definitely be on your on your top three ballots. I mean, it, he is – and the fact that he's that close for the lead in points by a rookie and he's played, what, 16 or 17 games less than uh, – Exact Matt point. Winters I was going to say the exact same thing. McTavish, yep. yeah. The fact that mm-hmm. he has more points than McTavish and only 10 points behind Beneers and seven, he's 17 seven games less games. Beneers. Seven, yeah, seven behind Beneers and 17 less games. I mean – you can't just, not put him on there. He he has to be on your list. On a crappy team, hate to say it, we're rebuilding, so crappy team. Yeah, he has that much. I mean, that just adds to it. I mean, like I said, I know next week we're gonna obviously delve more deep into this, but yeah, I, I agree with you boys. He should at least be on your finalist list for sure. Yeah, without getting into too much from next week's subject, um, what's ultimately going to hurt him in terms of potentially winning the Calder? It's the goal totals. I mean, it, it took him until the final month of the season to notch his 10th goal. Yeah. And, but he looks more confident shooting. That's the biggest thing is that, and, 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 and Tournier said that, is he looks more confident shooting the puck now because he's not trying to 
force the pass first, and he's not trying to force a shot. He's now just letting the flow go with him in the game, and we've seen that more recently with him scoring more. So hopefully that's a sign that he is going to be taking more of a confidence role in his game going forward and you know relying more on maybe trying to make the play to score rather than just forcing to get the pass off to get the assist. Like I said, next week we're going to definitely delve into that, so can't wait. Uh, so, boys, I actually have a question for you real fast. We are an hour into a recording as of right now. Um, so I have a debate question we can ask real quick and hopefully knock it out fast, or we can wrap this up. Yeah, no, ask away. Yeah, ask okay. away. So I'm picking this up from the Steve Dangle podcast. Whether you like him or not, it's just a cool question. I did ask this to the Later Rivals podcast, boys. Uh, so you may have seen that on my Twitter feed as well. I wish I did not watch the episode. Sorry to Chris and the boys there. But my question to you boys is, let's take our current, and this is just a complete, I, that was a cool question. Again, I'm not saying I support it one way or the other. I'm just saying it's a cool question to ask. So let's say you have obviously your three periods of hockey, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have your overtime. So what if... Instead of you cut shootout entirely, no more shootout. However, you expand overtime from five minutes no. to ten. However, if at the end of that overtime, no the game is still tied or no score scored, you know whatever, still zero zero or two two whatever, no team gets a point. There's no overtime loss point given, but the winner gets three points, kind of like you do in the Premier League. Yep. I saw this. What you guys? Yeah, yeah. I thought. I know it kind of went around, but I just thought it was a cool question to ask you boys. Now that hopefully get a chance to ask Randy next week when he returns. What do you boys think of that? I mean, so essentially, I'll just kind of go a little bit more into essentially how they had that worked out was three points for regulation win. You get ten, two for an overtime win. You get one for a loss. um, And what it's called, if you lose in regulation, you get zero points. So. Um, I mean, I like it. I mean, I, I think the overtime should be expanded. I mean, goalies, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Teams don't really practice the shootouts and in practice yeah. shootout is essentially a skills competition. Um, especially with them implementing the three on three overtime a few years ago, overtime is really fun to watch. It is expand it longer. They do a whole NHL all-star weekend game based off the three on three format it is really fun to watch. If you extend it, and, you know, if you want to take it a step further, I'll even, you know, throw my hat in the ring here. Make it, you know, make it no time. Don't don't have a clock running. Just have first goal. Don't don't add a clock to it. Don't have it where it plays, you know, only a five-minute or ten-minute time. Just drop the puck. Let the play go. First team to score wins. I know some people are thinking that maybe seem a little weird not to see a clock run. But, you know, it's no different than, like, football and overtime or overtime in football where there's no clock, especially in college. They don't run a clock in, in college football and overtime. It's both teams get a possession. That's how that works. And hockey, take away the clock in overtime. Just have first team that scores wins. But I do like the point system thing. I think that would definitely. Yeah, uh, I do too. I do like the point system. I do too. Yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I I definitely do like the point system. Um, I I wish I could remember who had initially mentioned this. Um, uh, part of me wants to say it was Elliot Friedman. Uh, Let me he, look. I'll find it. Know, what you're talking. Well, when he kind of did the uh, recap of the NHL Board of Governors meetings and some of the proposed rule changes and things like that, nothing was voted on. Nothing official was brought to the table. But 
I believe he reported that he had heard rumblings of a potential move to a seven-minute three-on-three overtime um, where they would do away with a shootout, three-on-three would go seven minutes, and we would potentially end in a tie. Granted, this was just a speculative thing. There was nothing concrete about this, no article written, no vote taken. I couldn't even tell you who was reported to have proposed the idea. Um, something like that, to me, that that would be a much better way to see games end. Personally, I don't care for the shootout. I'd rather games end in a tie. I love the way the point system worked back in the 90s and early 2000s, where three points would get you, you know, or a, a regulation win would get you three points. Um, Everybody that made it to overtime got one, and the winner got an extra point. If it was a tie, everybody just got one. Um, I, I love that point system. I think that system made so much more sense to just let a game end in a tie after an overtime. Um, and that was four on four. And if you run three on three without a shootout, you're not going to see teams spending so much time regrouping, in my opinion. You're going to see more chances taken. Because that final minute of overtime or that final 30 seconds, why why take risks if you can get it to a shootout and still pick up your extra point? You take away the shootout and teams want to win and they're willing to risk that loss because there's no longer the benefit to going beyond overtime. I definitely like the points has changed like you always said. That's probably my favorite part of it is that. But yeah, I mean... Something I thought was really interesting. Uh, I would watch to do with the shootout too. I don't think it's, I mean, to leave up a game, especially an important game, up to just a random skills challenge. Like, no, I don't think that's yeah. right. I mean, that's it's just the same with like crap. juniors. Like, I'm going to throw my hat on there. I think it's so dumb, especially like in the last years, especially a couple years ago when the US beat Canada and the gold medal game in a shootout. I'm sorry, but games like that, like juniors, should not be solved by a skills competition no. determining a winner. Not at all. No. It should not. No, the the one argument to that though is that the junior world junior schedule is so condensed. Oh, teams yeah. are playing quite a few back to back games. Um if you have a a semifinals game that goes three overtimes and your championship game is scheduled for the next day, you put a team at a huge disadvantage. Um, so there, there have to be some limitations there, but yeah, I, I do agree with you. Nobody wants to see a, a gold medal game end in a shootout. I mean, there, maybe you can go, you know what? Nobody's got a game to play after this. Go play two overtime periods if you need it, but there, you can't do that throughout the tournament because on the unfortunate event in a condensed schedule tournament is you're going to tire out a couple of teams. And it it definitely creates an unfair advantage when the schedule is so condensed. What about like a Stanley Cup? What about well, I mean, that, then? Do you want to do like the shootout? Well, now the the Stanley Cup is is totally. I'm good with it the way it is now because in that scenario, when you're talking about best of seven games, if Game Three goes to four overtimes, both of those teams that are playing in the next game played that four overtime game neither team's gaining any type of advantage what if it they do like what they do for champions league and well, i guess Concacaf and european uh soccer obviously but 
what if they did that to where it's like a, a goal aggregate? So let's say, you know, of the four games, let's say Pittsburgh put up, I'm just going to throw a number out there, seven goals total in those four games. Obviously, just a number thrown out there. Then they got swept. And then, and then somebody else, it's a tie, like each game or whatever. But like overall, of the ties, it's the all ended ties. There's no, over, there's no shootout. There's just ties only. But of the tournament, of those four games or five games, whatever, Pittsburgh put seven up and then other team put up eight. So other team wins. Was that something like that work? Or do you want to just strictly just no. keep the shootout regardless? No, you... Well, so I are we talking tournament level play then? Talking like a Stanley Cup. Say Stanley Cup ends like that. Yeah, or, I I don't think there's any reason to change the way the Stanley Cup is now. Um I I don't see a an issue with the long overtimes, the unlimited amount of overtimes that that we get. And that makes for some of the best hockey. I sure mean, does. you get a team winning in double overtime or triple overtime. Nobody ever complains about that. I get why you don't want it in the regular season. Nobody wants oh, yeah, for sure. a six-hour yeah. game between Arizona and Montreal. It just <laughs> the yeah. people are going to be shutting that game off at you know halfway through the first overtime. But yeah, you you still you still want that in playoff hockey, and I don't think you change that. Well, thank you, boys, for answering uh, my question of the week. Appreciate it. It was definitely a good uh, conversation. But are we ready to wrap this up and send these people? Home? Yeah, sounds, yeah good. sounds good. All right, excellent. Well, thank you guys all for listening. Haynes, thank you for staying up with us and uh, trudging through. We definitely appreciate it. Nice having you back. Matt, obviously, no thank problem. you for your good conversations. Uh, don't forget, May 16th, if you're a Tempe resident, please register to vote and vote for Props 301, 302, and 303. Uh, Matt, anything to add on that before I close out? Just want to make sure I said that right. Nope, nope, we're all good Perfect. there. Um, would like to say goodbye for the ghost of Grandy. Oh, right, yes, of course. <laughs> He'll be back hopefully next week. Just fine. Um, but we'll see. Uh, anything else, boys? I think we're good. All right. Then from all of us here at the Chirp and Yotes podcast, thank you for listening. We will see you next week.